Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Behind the Painting Scenes with your host, Ryan Amato. All right. Hi, Dan. Hey. Today we are with um, Sandler Training, True North Performance, True North Performance Advisors, and we're going to be talking to Dan Storm uh, of Bethlehem Sandler Training. Um, I'm familiar with Sandler Training just because I, I used to work with a painting um, group who who trained that way, and that's how they do their selling. So when I saw Dan on on LinkedIn, that's how we met. I thought it was a perfect um, opportunity to introduce what you do to everybody else. So could you just introduce yourself? Yeah. Awesome, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Um, follow your stuff on LinkedIn. Great content and, and appreciate you having me on the show. So I own a, a Sandler training office in Bethlehem. And the easiest way I can put it is we help businesses, kind of small to mid-sized businesses, get from where they are to where they need to be. And most people think of Sandler and they think sales training. Um, we definitely do that. We offer sales training in a variety of manners in-house or even public uh, on-site at my facility. But we also do a lot with uh, management training, customer service, and kind of frontline training. And then also what's been pretty popular lately is employee assessments. That's so awesome. kind of full-service uh, training and consulting and coaching business. So you see a lot, I'm sure. Um, yeah. And for whoever's watching, we're in the Lehigh Valley, Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton area, and it's it's booming. Um, you can see all the warehouses going up. So inside those warehouses are jobs. And I, I know on my end, as of, you know, as of last year, I'd put an ad out for a painter or any other position in our company. And I would get, you know, a hundred, at least a hundred applicants without paying for it. And this year it's, it's changed. I mean, I'll, we're down to well less than, than a quarter of that for applicants. Uh, on your end, have you seen that in other businesses as well? Yeah, so we see that same, you know, kind of job shortage, tight labor market come up pretty frequently a um, couple of different ways. You know, the, the first thing is, is I probably get a phone call a week from either a 
networking contact or a potential client or just even in my own prospecting efforts that says something like, hey, we don't need any training, but if you find a sales guy that's looking to make a change, let me know. Um, so, so I anticipated the sales training portion of this business to be a significant chunk of it. And it still is. It's working out that way. What I'm what I'm really surprised by every day is the amount of interest there are in employee assessments, um, management training, because now we're finding with the economy strong and business booming, folks are getting promoted into management roles that maybe need a little help on the soft skill side of things. Mm-hmm. And then also that customer service training. So a lot of companies are looking at that customer service or frontline as it's not just a necessary evil to get an upset customer off the phone. They're trying to find ways to leverage that into building client loyalty, uh, cross-selling and upselling opportunities, and all sorts of things. Awesome. And what type of what type of companies do you typically work with? What size? Um, you know, I, what I say is a, a great company for me is anyone kind of under five million dollars for something that's really scalable. I, I love to work with larger companies that tend to have in-house sales teams. Um, I, I've actually done a fair bit of that here lately. Um, and that's great. The, the challenge with those is those companies tend to be more remote and it's harder to pull people together. And, uh, you know, one of the things I try to do is separate what I do from every other trainer they've had come in for two hours and everyone feels great. And then a week later, they all forgot it. And it's, it's hard when you have people scattered all across the eastern seaboard or, or North America. Mm-hmm. So uh, we talked briefly about sales before uh, before this podcast here. And one one struggle point for us is finding a salesperson other than myself um, sure. where I can kind of let go a little bit. Um, what do you, what do you think the best piece of advice is for a company looking for a salesperson uh, to fit within their uh, niche? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you have all the stuff that people normally do. So you can work with recruiters and staffing companies and things there, there are plenty of good ones out here in the Valley. One of the areas I've seen some success lately is for people to assess their internal employees, look who they see may have some runway, career progression, who may have some some opportunity, and, and really take a look and say, well, maybe uh, in your case, you may have a good painter or a good estimator that you want to do better things in the, in the business or maybe take on roles of more leadership in the future. It's What I'm finding is it's, it's harder to find salespeople that are willing to move unless you overpay for them in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, it's always hard to, tr- to train company culture and pace. So you find someone that's willing to be curious and listen and ask questions and then learn the product maybe even later on down the line, you're going to find a good fit pretty, pretty often. And you mentioned um, they don't specifically, so we're in the painting industry, they don't specifically need to know about every aspect of the painting industry to be a, a, an effective salesperson. No, I, I think that's one of the big misconceptions I see is is companies either hire for technical specialists in non-technical type roles or people that have been in a certain industry for so long feel like their technical expertise gives them a leg up. And what happens is they, they kind of talk themselves out of a sale more times than not. They're, they want, they're so passionate about it in so many cases that they tell the client or the prospect everything that they know, and that's only really a fraction of what the client gives it crap about what i found is we talked about this as well is is when i'm out i don't want to say giving a sales pitch it's not a sales pitch um i'm more interested in the people so uh i'm completely the opposite of that i want to know about their dog and their house and how long they lived there and my the the bonding and the rapport uh for sandler sales uh 
my struggle is once the job gets started, I actually went away from all the technical stuff. Um, but what you just said is, yes, we have other people who maybe give too much information and they, they lose some of the sales. Is there is there a nice medium in there? I think it's almost on the other side of medium. I, I coach people 70%, 70, 30. 70, 30 is a great rule. So 70% of the time is with the salesperson listening and the client or prospect talking. 30% of the time is you talking, of which a good chunk of that is asking questions. So you can really understand fit of the client or the prospect you're working with. Could you explain? I know it's it's. I mean, they have a, a bunch of books about the Sandler process. Could you could you briefly give us a quick summary of of why it's so awesome? I mean, I love it. Sure. Yeah, I'll I'll try to do it quick. I, I love it, so it may take me a little long. So just cut me off. That's okay. Um, Best, best thing I'll tell you is take all of the stuff that you love about sales from movies and throw it out the window. So Wolf of Wall Street, Glengarry Glenn Ross, those are all great movies. But take your, your always be closing, you know, always ask for the sale, that type of stuff, and, and just chuck it. Um, what Sandler's all about is building strong relationships and understanding fit, uh, qualifying for opportunity. So what I tell people all the time is Sandler is qualify hard, close, soft by understanding how people interact and how people behave. So a lot of it is really rooted in human behavior, neuroscience, psychology. It's not just uh, if the client says this, then you can trick them into the sale by using this talk track. It's it's very much rooted in how people interact, and it's a, a highly consultative, soft closing type of, uh, type of sales methodology. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you guys listening out there, um, what I hear frequently is your price was higher but I felt very comfortable when you were at my house. I hear it all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe you're not going to win over the people who are just looking for the lowest price out there, but um, not everybody's looking for the lowest price. They're looking for a, a fit and a comfortability with who's in your house or whatever whatever business you're in. Right. Because so what, what we find a majority of the time, um, one of our rules is the problem the prospect brings you is never the real problem. So... They may, they may say they need something. As you, as a professional, start to dig in and ask questions, there's a really good chance that you're going to understand that what they're really asking for is something two layers below the surface of what they think they need. Hmm. And if you're just out there throwing quotes across the table, passing the next guy in the driveway, it's you're never going to find that. Could you tell me what, what you feel maybe is one of the, um, the worst things a salesperson could do while they're out on a, um, a visit? Get caught in the uh, bid proposal chase triangle. So uh, I guess it happens in your industry a bunch. A lot of the, the residential services, so uh, remodelers, contractors, electricians, you get in this world where, where the client or the customer, they want three bids or they want three free estimates. So they do that and they end up with a stack of them on their table. And then it either happens the low guy wins or the last guy gets the best shot. And then the other two, Hey, Ryan, just wanted to call and see how things are going. Um, any questions? So, so now you're in this chase game where you, if you want to win, you're going to lose on price. Or sorry, you're going to win or lose on price. And then you're just wasting time kind of spinning your wheels. One of our approaches is, and I don't know if it's correct, and maybe you can tell me if it is or not. We, we learned that lesson the hard way. So we were always very, um, we would answer the phone right away. We'd get our emails back right away. We schedule the estimate first all the time. And we would find exactly what you just said. There was there was two people coming out behind us, and it didn't really matter. It was always that that last estimate had the best shot. So 
our one of our qualifying question is is when is your last estimate and we'll try to schedule ours uh either after them or close to them um just so we're fresh in their memory the, is that a good approach yeah i think it's it definitely works uh, another thing you may try in, in a similar situation is you may just ask the customer point blank after you're done with your with your discussion you may ask them how they're feeling about it and kind of where they're at I always would encourage go go toward feeling questions than logic questions. So instead of what do you think, how do you feel? And then you may throw something out there uh, such as, let, let me ask you this question. Say that your third contractor comes in and they quote you $100 or $1,000 under what we just said that you feel pretty good about. Where does that leave us? And it's going to start a conversation from there. Mm -hmm. As a salesperson, you may not like where the conversation goes, but you're going to know where you stand. Yeah, they're powerful questions and right. you get an answer so that's exactly that's yeah. key all right we can let's i'm going to jump into you a little bit rather than sure. talk about sales all day long because i'm sure that you you do talk about sales all day long um right yep what is your favorite thing to do when you're not working uh you know so my, my default is i love spending time with my kids and my family i have uh my wife we've been married for she will kill me because i don't know this one offhand 13 years <laughs> Uh, yeah, 13 years in November. So, um, and we have we have two boys. They're uh, three and eight. So, way different stages of life, but it's um, it's a lot of fun. We do a lot of stuff together, bicycling and camping and all sorts of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, aside from that, I've actually recently gotten into uh, axe throwing. So, cool. went to one of the local places with some neighbors and my wife. We had a great time. Um, some beverages may or may not have been consumed. So did that, realized I needed a hobby, and uh, sure enough, I found there was an axe throwing league in Quakertown. So I did that for Thursdays for about eight weeks, and uh, I don't don't typically moderate well, so now I'm, like, pretty into it. So some some business guys golf, um, I, throw hatchet, I throw hatchets. <laughs> that could come in handy one day. Um, right. In, in your um, personal life and business life, what is your what are your biggest wins? Uh, you know, one of my biggest wins in my my personal life was kind of really making the decision to jump to be an entrepreneur. Um, so shortly after college, I, I started my own business, bought a house, got engaged, the whole gig, took security, and uh, and had a couple of pretty pretty cool corporate jobs for about 15 years. And as my kids started getting older, um, the trips back and forth on airplanes started to get a little tougher, and made the decision as a family about a year and a half ago. Um, to uh, to start my own business, and I was passionate about Sandler, had exposure to Sandler, saw how it kind of changed people's lives, and it was it was a no-brainer to do that. So, you know, I would say personally that that's one of the big ones. That also crosses over into the business one as well. But one of the the things I'm most proud of from a business standpoint is prior um, in my corporate world, I worked for Polaris, the ATV company, mm -hmm. who owns the Indian motorcycle and slingshot brand. Um, and I had the privilege to lead the North American sales team for a Fortune 500 company for um, for about three years and, quite honestly, do some stuff that I never thought I would be able to experience as a kid who just grew up in the Poconos. Um, motorcycle launches and awesome places in the world and just meet some of the coolest people ever that I still talk to and built lifelong friendships with. How did you make that, that decision that, um, uh, I, even though you loved it, now you wanted to go yeah. out and do something on your own. I mean, it's a big decision. 
It is absolutely, and, and like I said, I mean, part of it is uh, I've always been entrepreneurial, so there was always kind of that that itch um, that working in a smaller business inside of a big company was it, it kind of helped fulfill it for a while. But that that itch was always there, and then as my kids started getting older, um, Polaris was not going to move their corporate headquarters to Nazareth, so that was out. So it was really a decision on where do we want to raise our family and, and how do I want my kids to grow up? And uh, most of my family, my wife's family is here either in the Lehigh Valley or the Poconos. So we made a decision to uh, to kind of build a home and settle here instead of move on with the corporate dream uh, in Minneapolis. Okay. Is, is there anything that you'd go back and do over? No, I, I think the experience that I gained working in a large company helps me significantly in the Sandler business. Um, so no, I, I don't think I would have done anything differently at all. All right. That's a good answer. I hear, and I hear that a lot from, um, anybody I've talked to really that's in business who has their own business. There's not, I actually, yeah. the question was, what is your biggest failure? And everybody's corrected me and said, I haven't had any failures. It's usually, um, just something I correct and move on and learn from. Yeah, I, I think so. There are a couple of things when I looked back at, at my corporate life. I mean, so I got every once in a while you, you, you look back on things and you go, shoot, I really shouldn't have done that or, you know, learned, learned a big lesson there. I, they all, for me, the things that, you know, still kind of keep me up at night all relate to people. So probably pushing people a little bit too hard before they were ready mm -hmm. and uh, totally in positions to succeed. Um, could you, you don't have to name any names, but could you tell me what your, your most favorite client and maybe your not so favorite client has been? over the years and why? Uh, yeah, so I won't name names, but um, so one of my favorite clients, honestly, is a, a local company. I've, I've done some in-house training with them and they have uh, probably about 20 sales reps inside and then a handful scattered throughout the rest of the country. And we did some disc behavioral style training. So learning different behavioral styles and how people communicate and just really how to communicate effectively as a team and with customers. And it was just a fun group. Um, we, you know, we watched some videos, video clips from the office and Tommy Boy and, and things. And it was just a good, really good, strong, interactive group. And then we've done some follow-up training since. And it was really cool for me as, as the trainer to come back a few months later and hear that that stuff had actually kind of penetrated their culture. So they were using the terminology in their conversations, even if they were just giving each other a hard time. Um, they were still using that. So that was that was fun. And that, that started at the top. I mean, the management there was, they were way bought in on this training. And I felt like we had a real partnership going in. Cool. We actually use the disc profiles as well. We have them, not here, but we have them taped to the doors before you walk into somebody's office to uh, really to kind of show, Perfect. you know, how to talk to somebody, how not to talk to somebody, how to how not to interact with somebody. Um, yeah, it's been it's been awesome. If you haven't had one done, I'd Definitely, you know, give Dan a call and, and take care of it if that's something that you still offer. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a pretty good introspective look too. I I would tell you I haven't had a whole lot of people that call total BS on it after they've had some time to process. We have had a few conversations that have been some manner of, hey, if you don't agree with it, go home, let your spouse read it, let a good friend or family member read it. If you still don't believe it, come back. We're glad to do another assessment. Mm -hmm. And I would. Say, most of the time they come back and go, yeah, you were probably a little closer than I originally gave you credit for. <laughs> yes, when I show people mine, and they, that's how I am, exactly. Right. How yep. about your yep. How about your worst client? 
I think so. You know, worst is, is kind of tough. I would say challenging. And, and for me, challenging is any time that we're, we're lacking communication. So, for example, we may make an agreement to do something and then client falls off the map and then it's a day later and they're like, hey, we need to see your slides or, hey, we want to understand. You know, so, so I look at this as a partnership because, you know, the client is clearly vested in the investment and the time, all of the things that they're asking me to do either as an individual or with their team, um, I'm the same way. So I look at it as every time I engage with someone, it's, it's kind of my ass on the line too, because I don't want anyone going around Lehigh Valley saying, Dan doesn't know what he's doing or Sandler doesn't work. And it's, it's always challenging for me if I feel like the, uh, the client or the prospect isn't equally as committed to their improvement or success as I am. That's the same with us um, in a different way. I like to, to have the customer or the client really involved in their project and, and appreciate that we're coming out to try to help them. And it's a team, it's a team effort. And when they could care less sure. and it's, we're just a number, it really doesn't make the job much fun at all. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a tough one. So that's good. That's a, that's a good word. Challenging. I like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we met on LinkedIn. Um, and for me, LinkedIn is, is really a great way to communicate with the people that I want to be in front of, which are facility managers and property managers, real estate agents. Um, on your end in, in the area of social media, is that something you use in your business? It's so it's part of it. It's not a big part of it, though. I think, you know, it's, it's good for people uh, to build awareness in, in my world to here's sales training. Here's what they do maybe even share some insights. I mean, like we're doing in the podcast here. So hopefully a handful of people see this and they take one thing away and go, wow, I was a little bit smarter mm -hmm. from, from whatever. Um, so I look at LinkedIn the same way. It's a way to build awareness to what we do. I don't do a ton of prospecting overtly on LinkedIn. For me, it's a great way to accelerate my ability to build uh, relationships with interesting people. And if at some point in time they refer business to me, great. I hope that there's ever something I can do to support them by referring business, connecting them to someone else or whatever. But I think it's about building relationships. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a long game, not a cold calling for the 21st century. That's a great point because uh, I, I mean, occasionally you'll see some selling in there from us. We have to put an offer out here and there, but I try just to yep. put content out. Um, sure. We had a, a, a client, this is a good example for contractors out there. I had a client call us for an estimate I went out to look at his house. It was his mother's house. Uh, she passed away. They were repainting the house. And when I went out there, I just gave him some advice. We couldn't help him. I told him how to do the job. So he did the job himself, saved all that money, and called us back a year later. And he's um, an architect. And he gave us a, I think it was a $45,000 paint job. Just wow. because, just because, um, and didn't pressure him to, to paint this other house. Um, it was a small job. I told him how to do it himself. And we kind of just, you know, talked to each other throughout the year. So sure. they're, they're always our best jobs um, when you least expect them. Here's somebody with a job from somebody that we just met and talked to for about a minute or two. Right. And I didn't hammer yeah. him over the head with a sales pitch. Yeah. Or, or even someone that person may know, right? I think that's a lot of, that's a lot of network is you probably wouldn't go to a chamber of commerce event or any other networking thing in the Lehigh Valley and just hand out business cards and start trying to book estimates. Yep. Um, I, I wouldn't do that in my business. So why does it, why does it change a ton when you go to LinkedIn and 
you're a layer removed digitally from the people you're interacting with. It really shouldn't. If I spoke to your wife, what would she tell me your strongest personality trait is? Uh, so, so kind of two is, is uh, balance between drive and patience. Um, so I'm, I'm a person that, like I said, even in the, the axe throwing thing, like I don't moderate well. So when I set my mind to something, I just, I'll do it for good or bad. I mean, I'll kind of put most things aside for patience. Uh, anyone that's listening that has kids, especially young kids, you know exactly what I mean. So it, it just teaches you that, uh, business, your job, whatever's in your small world is really kind of small stuff and, it's all different when you're talking to a three-year-old at 7.30 at night and he wants an ice pop and then you give him an ice pop and he doesn't want that color and it turns into World War Three. <laughs> That's what happens at my house. Yeah. What are, what are, so, you, on, what, what are you on the disc profile? Uh, so I'm a, I'm a CD. Okay. So it's be pretty calculated and then a little bit direct. So what I, what I find is I'll kind of do enough of the math in my head to make sure it makes sense. But damn it, when we're gonna go, we're gonna go, and you're not gonna get my, you know, you're not gonna, not gonna block me from it. That's what I am. Really? Same. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's it's tough because my wife and most of her side of the family tend to be reserved. So anytime we get together as a family, I'm like, oh my gosh, people, it, t- it takes you 25 minutes to figure out where we're gonna get a pizza from. Let's just get a pizza. Exactly. <laughs> we have that conversation all the time, uh, and. Uh... People who tell long stories is also an issue for me. Um, right. Right. I like to get – give me the direct point. <laughs> We're good. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Okay. So uh, if – outside of what you do now, if you could learn one other skill, is there something that you would like to do or have always wanted to do? So uh, so skill or business? Outside of business. Like, do you have, do you have like a hope or a dream or something you've always wanted to do in your life that you just haven't tackled? You know, I would love to be able to play an instrument. I just do not have a musical or rhythmic bone in my body. I dance like I'm probably having a medical episode (laughs) and I, I can't even play a keyboard with the keys marked on it. I just, but love it, love music. Um, just can't ever execute. That's all right. I play a saxophone, but I, like, I would love to play the uh, piano. Just never did it. Awesome. And they don't cross over to each other, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Could you? How about? Uh, do you have a most embarrassing moment, business or business or or, or in your personal life? Something uh, that always remember. I probably have three a week. I'll give you one that sticks though. So earlier this year, um, I, I still make cold calls. Part of it is every once in a while you'll find someone that has a need for training or improvement. Mostly it's because I need to train it. So I, I need to make sure I'm, I'm good and I'm up to speed on it. So I was making a cold call. I got sidetracked by something that popped up in my inbox. The the prospect picked up the phone and I don't even know what came out of my mouth, but they were totally just intelligible words. And I stopped and I just didn't know what to say. And I totally froze. And I, I to this day, I don't even remember what I said. And he goes, no, I think we're good. And he was trying to be polite because he's probably like this poor guy on the other end of the phone just has no clue what he's doing. So I felt bad. I agonized over it for half a day. And finally, I, I actually took the guy a book and a Dunkin' Donuts coffee uh, nice. gift card. Today. And I said, man, I'll tell you, that's probably the worst cold call you've ever had. It's definitely the worst one I've ever done. 
if you ever know anyone that needs what I do, I promise I'll do a better job for them than I did for you. And he laughed and he thanked me. And he said, you don't owe me the book. You know, we ended up, hopefully the person uh, hears this podcast, I won't put him on the spot, but, uh, you know, don't know if we'll ever end up referring business back and forth to each other, but it was one of those things. It was just pretty uncomfortable for a little while. But he won't forget you. Probably not, right? <laughs> hopefully that's still on his desk somewhere. <laughs> what What is a perfect day for, for you, for Dan? Um. You know, I think perfect day for me is tough. So a couple of different versions of it. For me, I'm, I'm an organizer. So days that I can't start out with my calendar planned or list kind of set up, I always feel like I'm playing behind. So it starts with understanding what the day is. And then I love I love days when I train. It's just it's one of my favorite things to do is, is help watch, help people improve and kind of see the improvement happen over time. Um but I also love just kind of the prospecting, networking part of my job because I'm, I'm curious about business. So whether or not there's an opportunity for us to work together, I just I like to hear people's stories. I'm probably similar to you. Mm-hmm. So I love um, yeah, I love the stories. Sure. Um, how about do you have do you have three goals for the for the next year for 2020? Yeah. So for me, I, I look at it as um, financial goal. So I have a financial goal I have set. I have a behavior goal. Uh, so at Sandler, we look at attitude, behavior, and techniques. So part of it is how you go into the day. What do you do to actually, what you need to do to drive the business, and then how do you do it is the technique part. Um, so I have a financial goal. I have my behavior goal. And then one of the things that I really need to do a better job at, um, quite personally, is just kind of shutting down business and not totally turning my phone off, but but trying to carve out family time as a little bit more of a hard stop than a soft stop. I understand. I mean, it's in the same way, obviously. Um, so that was my last question. But let, can we go back to Sandler? Could you sure? Could, could you give me? I know it's tough. It's a it's a it's an awesome process. But is there one main point of the Sandler process that you love? Yeah, so in Sandler, we call it pain. Um, pain is, is usually a word that makes people uncomfortable at first. So depending on who I'm talking to, you can call it fit. But it's, it's really assessing the needs of the client to make sure that your solution fits what they have or what they, what they may need. So, for example, if I'm talking to a company and their sales team's just rocking and there's no pain or there's no fit there, probably stop and tell them it doesn't make sense for us to move forward. Because I'm not a hard I'm not a hard sell person, and the last thing I need is again people saying like I sold us a huge training program and it didn't really incrementally improve our team. So for me, it's always use that pain or that fit to make sure the client's going to get a reasonable ROI back out of their investment. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But if, if you can't find that fit, maybe people will buy sometimes almost despite your efforts. Um, but no, no pain or no fit. You can you can just about count on no sale most days. Mm-hmm. Well, is there is there anything else you'd like to add, or, or could you give us your website where people can find you, or phone number? That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, Ryan. It's been great talking this afternoon. Um, my website, you guys can all find me. It's uh, True North T R U E N O R T H dot Sandler dot com. And best way to get me is my cell phone. That's six one zero five zero nine. One eight six nine. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. We're gonna we'll throw your links at the bottom of this video and everywhere that we put it. So definitely reach out, guys. I've, I've we use the Sandler uh, process technique, um, and 
it's not a it's not a hard sales technique. It's not you're not beating somebody over the head. I love it. It's about uh, building relationships for me, bonding, rapport, um, and just getting answers and not having to keep chasing somebody. You know how it is. You give an estimate. Um, yeah, maybe you get an answer right on the spot, but but most of the time, it's you're following up the next week. You're following up again. Then they stop calling you. They stop emailing you back. And you're a month or two down the road, still wondering what's going on. So this can solve it for you. So again, reach out to Dan. He can definitely help you out. I appreciate it, Dan. Thanks. Happy holidays. Thank you. Cool. I think we're done. Okay. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, thanks. It was fun. Um, on the quickly on the topic of hiring, uh, if you ever have someone you want to assess, let me know because they'll give me like my vendor will give me some free credits from time to time. So let me know, and if I can if I can spot you a couple free credits, I'll tell you. If not, I'll help you out to the best of my ability. I have a horrible track record of hiring. I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's me. I'm not good at it. I don't know. We just had a um, I hired a woman in her office part time. She was just getting back into the workforce. Um, so we were very flexible. I mean, she would come in at 10 o'clock in the morning, work till two. Um, originally she was going to be doing some assistance for me and, you know, whatever it was available to do, uh, data in entry and things like that. And it just didn't work out. And it's the same position that we have that I've been through at least 10 people. Hmm. Um, they either get so stressed out or they want to give so much input and they're not really at that spot yet to give input. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this, well, we had to fire her yesterday. She sent me a, just a, I thought it was a over the top email that her, her pay rate wasn't enough for the tasks I'm asking her to do. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm struggle with that and I struggle finding somebody to do sales work. That's it. And we're, we're pretty close knit here. We're not a big, you know, I have myself, um, my son helps with the social marketing. I have another guy who does a little bit of everything and Tanya who does the day to day stuff. Um, sure. So I'm not this big corporation or anything. Yeah. It's just been, it's yeah. been a struggle. I don't know why. I, it's, it's tough, man. My neighbor owns a, a moving company and we were talking a couple of weeks ago and his thought on it is that just with all of the warehouse work, warehousing work com coming around, people are looking at these things going, I can make $15 an hour at Amazon pushing boxes from one side to the other. And it's nothing against those people, but he's like, how am I going to get a kid to pull a couch out of some old lady's second floor in August? I, I can't afford to pay these people that much. And it gets to some point where it's just, it's hard to do. Yeah. You said you offer um, management training. Yep. On what level? I mean, is there... Um... Like I just said, we only really have, like, would you train one person? Yeah, so I would love to be able to get, so when you went through Sandler, was it uh, like a president's club type of, was no, it like you? you I think um, I think they went through it. It was Nolan okay. Painting from, I think they're Havertown. They have a, a business a training group for painting companies across the United States. Gotcha, gotcha, so I okay. Believe, I believe they went through it all. It's all the same. I'm like, it's... Sure. I read all the books and have the, the cards with me when I'm out. They train yep. that whole process, but um, it was it was them training it. It wasn't um, like an official Sandler training yeah. Yeah. Uh, office. So one of, 
So one of the models is what I'm trying to build right now, actually, is the um, Sales Mastery or President's Club. So think of it as, uh, you know, this guy like yourself wants to get out of the weeds on sales but doesn't have or want the time to train the salesperson on how to do that. But you're also not going to pay me a day rate to train one-on-one with your team because you're not a corporation with 20 salespeople. So in that in that world, it would be, you know, a guy from a painting company, an insurance agent, a plumber, just different walks of life that all have that same need, which allows me to bring cost to where it's way more manageable because I have, right. Cause I have oh, 10 people. So, so that's, that's what that looks like from a sales training standpoint. I don't have my management training there yet okay. because the nuances of managing from one company, one industry to the next are just, they're way different than they are in sales. So a lot of what I've been doing with management is just one-on-one coaching. Um, and then so we'll, we'll agree to like an hour a week, every, three weeks a month with some online instruction and things like that. So it's been a lot more one-to-one for management training. Okay. That's something yeah. interesting. Tanya's been uh, – I love it. She's been reaching out to me. I want more training. I want more training. I want more training. <laughs> she wants to grow. Interesting. And, um, I mean I have – we do have things charted out, but um, – you know, you get busy and you forget about the training and she gets stuck in the day-to-day stuff and, and all the muck. And, right. Um, something to think about. Yeah. No, I mean, keep me keep me posted. Glad to have that discussion or even just some share best practices with you to whatever extent. I mean, it's, like I said, it's a long game. It's all relationships. So if I can ever help, then I'll let you know. And if it's too much, I'll tell you too and say, hey, we should probably talk about some payment on this, but we're not there yet. So it's all good. Okay. All right. Let me talk to her. Yeah, but um, I'll, I'll think too, man. The the interesting thing for you is you're when I talk to people in the kind of the contracting, building, construction world, there's there's almost a couple of different versions. One is the person that either can or won't let go, and that's as big as the business will ever be, is as, as much as the owner can work. And then there's kind of two versions of the owner, right? I think uh, you did a podcast with Dave Galkin a few yep. weeks ago. And he's like, I'm still, I'm still doing sales because I don't want to let that go, and that's what I'm passionate about. But then there's the other one that's like, I need to let go of sales so I can run this as a business. And, and as I, as I talk to other people, it's just interesting to see that split. But if I run across anyone in my travels that could be a good fit for sales, I'll pass them your way for sure. The, the reason I asked David that, I was actually hoping he would tell me that he was not involved anymore and tell me how he yeah. did it. Um, but that's, that's not the case. No, that, that's the that's the tough part, man. I um, and the hey, problem with me, at... the problem with me doing the sales, is I'm now the first person they met. They feel comfortable with me, and when the job starts, I completely shut off and hand it off to somebody else. And if right. any, if anything goes wrong, it's where's Ryan? I want Ryan. I need Ryan. Sure. Um, it's too much. It's just I can't yep. do it. Yeah. Well, and you're, I mean, you're building a, you got, I saw, so congratulations too, man, on the media company. So it, it seems you. like you have a bigger picture in your head on where you want your business to be five years from now. And it probably doesn't depend on you knocking on doors, writing estimates. Right. I mean, so. in, in my perfect world, I'd like to be having the painting company kind of running itself and I just advise it. Sure. And I'm more interested in the, the epoxy floors and the, the social medias and marketing stuff so that's my goal so is your do you look at your epoxy floor business as different from painting business i do um it's strange i was just we were talking about yesterday so the paint we have 25 painters you could get you could get three or four really good guys doing epoxy floors and make 
the same money as those 25 painters and have really and have a lot less um overhead and and just chaos going on um is that because it's not commoditized yet or just people money that want to buy like if i put a nice floor in my garage i probably have money Generally, yep. You either you have a really nice car that you want to have a nice house for. You you like a sports team that you want to have a floor that that um, matches that team. Um, right. There are, you just said it before. There are not a lot of people around. You can't just take a painter and give him a can of epoxy and say go do that floor. Um, right. I mean, we we learned that the hard way. Like the floors have to be done to perfection and to whatever it says in those specifications because if not. It's not like going to paint a wall. If something happens to the wall, you can just paint it again. If something happens to that floor, you have to take the whole floor up. So. Right. Well, yeah, we um, so we built our house that we're in now about three years ago, and my grand plan was do the floor epoxy before we move in and all that stuff. And I started looking at just the over-the-counter crap from like Lowe's and Home Depot, and that's really expensive for a three-car garage. And then it's highly dependent on me being able to do it correctly, and yeah. I just I. I'm like, man, this is this is a recipe for me to be really pissed off about a year from now. Yep. And the stuff oh. they sell, the stuff they sell at Home Depot and Lowe's, even though it's it says Rust-Oleum on it, it's not the same Rust-Oleum that we would buy. They they sure. Use it. It's a real, it's a lot thinner um, product. So we mm. see a lot a lot of failures. But yeah. So what would be a good referral for you? Like as as we're thinking that, I'm thinking, man, it would be great if my builder would have told me about someone like you as we were financing the house that's it is to get to those builders because they 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 could be offering that as an option hey if you you know you want your floor you want your floor done we can do it right now Um, sure we haven't got there yet and the the person kyle who does the floors and also helps me with the sales isn't fully doing sales so it's not I don't have somebody just hammering away at, you know, going to meet the builders or going to the fire departments. That's another one. Um, oh, right. Yeah, they all have to do it. Sure. Huh. So we, we've been slowly building up the epoxy side as I'm trying to get out of the painting side and as I'm doing the, the media stuff. So it's been it's been good. Tanya's doing very well. She, she handles it. You know, she's still learning and growing and she, she handles all the, the messes and the good things. Um, right but i need a salesperson so what are you guys doing what are you guys doing for um like i do the whole bni valley networking like all the normal stuff and what i'm finding is the the decent business networking opportunities are all things where you know somebody that's like hey have you gone to the whatever on tuesdays um what are you you guys doing anything worthwhile it's funny that you say that so i've been so reluctant to go do those um I just always thought it was, I don't know. Just thought it was Jeez. a scam. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but everybody I talk to who I have, you know, faith in and respect, they all tell me this is what you have to do. I talk to painting companies all the time across the United States, and some only get their work from the BNI groups. That's yeah. all the, where the work's coming from. Yep. So um, I just ran into another gentleman from a roofing company. I can't think of the name of it. He was at one of the fire department places. This is a roofing company. Um, he's in a BNI group, and he said the painter in there—that's where they get all the work from. Um, somebody else reached out to me from not from your office, from a different Sandler office locally, and asked me to go to a 
business owners group. Um, we had went to a meeting. I don't remember the name of it. We went to a meeting for with it, and I wasn't really impressed with it. Really? Was it a shoot? What's the executive forum? Is another one. Um, I can't remember his name. Huh. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. But long story short, yeah, I I, was, I talked to somebody yesterday. Um, I was looking for somebody to do some um, print things for us to print yeah. a, an epoxy book, and she said she was going to her business meeting uh, tomorrow. She couldn't do it, and I said, "Well, what group is it?" She said, "It's a BNI group in Easton." So hmm. uh, I mean, I may go to that one. I'm not yeah. sure. Let me know too if you want. I can send you before I join mine. Um, so I do the. I'm in the Bethlehem lunch chapter. So we meet at the old Best Western on Wednesdays from like 11:30 to one. But the reason I tell you that is before I join that one, I put a list together, right? So typical C behavioral style. I put a list together of the times and the, at the time what was the attendance on that or the the number of participants. Because what you don't want is you don't want to be in a BNI with like eight people. Because yeah. the more people have, the more opportunities. Um, so I can send you that. Just shoot me a note, and I'll drop it over. And if you ever want to visit or have Tanya visit as my guest, it's pretty laid back, and nobody's going to hard. No painter yet? No, there's no – no for this one, it's crazy. We don't – honestly, don't get a ton of referrals or outside of chapter referrals for painters, but we do have roofer, a remodeler, a home inspector. So there's, like, probably opportunity that happens for painters. Who's your um, roofer? Uh, Scott Muth from Hassler Roofing. Oh, he, I know Scott very well. He actually, that's funny. I texted him and I said, Hey, do you, does your group still need a painter? And, um, he said, yeah, they still need a painter. He's a good, he gives us a lot of referrals. Really? Yeah. Scott, yeah. Scott's awesome, man. That guy's, that guy was been great as I've been getting, uh, getting on board with that group. So that, and then honestly, uh, plumber too, is like Frank Toth probably gets more business from our chapter than he gets from his own because we don't have a plumber. So it's like every couple times a month, people are sending referrals over for plumbers. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, so, that sounds good too. Both... Yeah. I'll shoot you. Uh, do I have your email? I have your, I have your LinkedIn. Yeah, you should. You can send it over there and I'll just email you back so you have it. All right. Cool. I okay. appreciate okay. it. Yeah, this is, this is a lot of fun. I'd probably, at some point next year, I'm thinking about doing like a Lehigh Valley business leaders podcast or something like that. So I may call and pick your brain on some of these things too, but it's, it's really cool what you're doing. I, I enjoy watching. I appreciate it. I try. <laughs> it's all good. Not many people want to do it. So it's, uh, really? yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's like same as doing an estimate. I'll, I'll email people and that who talk to me all the time and I'll ask them to do a podcast and they're gone. I don't know why. Huh. It's crazy. Yeah, it's no pressure. Yeah, for sure. It's just fun. Okay. But all right, I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Yeah, I thanks. I appreciate it. Yep, bye-bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you're looking for social media content for your contracting business, painting contractors, carpenters, electricians, any type of contractor, please check us out on Instagram at Amato Media or check us out on LinkedIn. We can definitely help you all out. So have a great day.